the icons of real estate podcast. Are you ready to learn the proven money-making secrets from top producing icon agents? Ready to skyrocket your business? This podcast is for you. Tune in every week with your host, Tomasz Fonseca, and find out how to implement proven strategies to 10 times your business. From $3 million to $30 million in just 12 months. Brought to you by the Masters in Real Estate Marketing, Ardor SEO. Welcome to Icons of Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Patty Thiel. Let me tell you about today's guest. Gino Barbaro and his partner started their business back in 2013 with a desire to create long-term wealth through multifamily investing. Today, they've grown to nearly 1,600 units, and maybe it's more by this time, creating true financial freedom. But they're not stopping at finding success for themselves. They've designed a program to help others to launch into a profitable industry and to become financially free. Boy, doesn't that sound good. Welcome, Gino. Patty, thanks. And I had to do something. I actually, before the show, I had to actually Google what the word icon really stood for. And for everybody out there, this is the definition of what icon is. It's a person or thing regarded as a representative symbol or worthy of veneration. Now, I am definitely not worthy of veneration. <laughs> Maybe the wife is. I am not worthy of that. So I don't know if I'm an icon, maybe I'm in my own mind, but it's it's a powerful word. And, and for us at, at the Jake and Gino brand, we want to be venerated by our students. We want to be able to have our students and hold our students in high regard. And that's probably one of our core values is people first. So when you're out there and you're thinking of the word icon, think of that. I mean, that's what we should all be striving for, become better at what we do. And every decision we make, we should be striving towards, is it worthy of, of veneration? Is it worthy of of going towards that lofty goal and trying to become a better version of yourself every day. Wow. Well, you're very modest, but thank you so much for looking up that definition. That's great. I can tell you're a true educator. Well, when you look at the word, you only, you think of it as pictures. Or I just, I really wanted to understand what the word meant. And, you know, as a follower of Christ, you think of the icon as of the cross. That's the first thing that pops up. Mm -hmm. But there's, it's such a deeper meaning. And, and when you take a look at it in, in its totality, there definitely are people that are worthy of it in this in, in, in our, in our generation, our culture. And I think we should all strive to do that. Whether, whatever we're doing, whether you're sweeping the streets, whether you're a, a mother at home, whether you're the CEO of a company, whether you're hosting a podcast, I'm taking an hour of your life up and I'm taking an hour of your listeners life up. I need to become prepared for this show. I need to prepare myself for life. And that's the only way that I see fit to be, to be, you know, part of this conversation of, of trying to be an icon of, of, of real estate. You know, I just love what you said. And I think you're so correct in that you could take pride in what you do, whether you're a janitor or you're the head of a large corporation, because really it's putting your heart and soul into it and taking pride in doing a good job. So thanks for pointing that out. And I think one last thing before you want to start talking about real estate and kicking it off, I think what people really need to figure out is what their value systems are and what their sole purpose is. If your sole purpose is to work at a company and to add value to a boss and to an employer and you see fit, that's great. 
stop and take a second and figure out what you're here on this planet to do. How can you add value? And for me, I had a restaurant for years and years and years. I loved it. I was working with my family. Once my dad passed away, I had to re-examine and reevaluate my life and to say, do I want to be stuck in this kitchen? Is this where I see myself creating wealth? And for me, I really wanted to be a role model for my children. I worked hard my entire life. I got sick and tired of coming home being tired, being grumpy. And I didn't want my children to equate that to what work should be. And I started buying assets with Jake. And then from there, when you become financially free, there's a couple of paths you can take. You can either say to yourself, I'm going to go sit at the beach and hang out and travel the rest of the world. But for most people who become financially free, it's embedded in our DNA. How did you get there to become financially free? You created value. You enjoyed the working process. You enjoyed to interact with people. And it's not about making the money. It's about creating impact and about getting better at a skill. Once you get better at something, you sort of become uh, addicted to it. And I, I did that, especially with buying multifamily. We got really good at it. And now with the education, I'm getting much better as a teacher and I'm enjoying it more. Why would I want to stop for the, and, and give up the next 20 years of my life where I can continue to get better at something, add impact, and at the same time, make a few bucks while I'm doing it? So I think people need to reevaluate what they're doing. Why are they here? We all have gifts. We are all endowed with certain gifts where we can create value. We just need to figure out what value that is and how we can bring it to the marketplace. Yeah, you know, when you shared that, what flashed upon me was my father who never did um, pursue his entrepreneurial dreams, even though he had them and it was always mm -hmm. a regret for him. And so we don't wanna leave this earth, you know, feeling like we didn't take that risk if it's something that we wanted to do. But of mm -hmm. course it's not for everybody. Some people like a more steady uh, income and just know that they are getting their paycheck and they're happy. So mm -hmm. it's not for everyone. Do you, I, do you agree? I 100%. That's why I figured for everybody out there, uh, the entrepreneurial life can be lonely. I, I mean, I've got my partner, Jake. And I mean, on occasion, I can talk to my wife about certain situations. Well, I've got to make payroll this month, or I've got to shoot this podcast, or I've got to go to Dallas for a conference. It can get lonely. And for me, it was a journey that one that one restaurant where I had I had a business and and I had a small business and I had a job. So for those of you out there that are that are stuck in that situation, there is more out there, and it's not just you know you're not changing your life. You don't have to change things up. You just want to transform what you're doing. There's only a few little tweaks you need in your life. I mean, for me, it all came down to life coaching. I think life coaching was an amazing, uh, amazing journey for me. I wanted personal development. So I said, let me go and study to become a life coach. My wife thought I was nuts. And once I, once I graduated from it, the, the skills that I learned, whether it was empowering questions to become a better listener, to be able to build rapport with people, to be able to challenge all the limiting beliefs and the assumptions and those voices in my head. I think we could talk about real estate for the next six hours, but if you don't conquer your own limiting beliefs and, and your mindset, you know, it doesn't matter what a cap rate is. doesn't matter what cash on cash return is because your behaviors are belief driven. If you don't believe you can do it, then you're never going to buy a deal. So let's overcome that belief first. And for everybody out there, if a pizza guy and a drug rep, AKA Jake and Gino can do it, anybody can do it out there. I just had a strong enough why. And I understood that I needed to be held accountable. And I understood that I needed to invest in my education. But once that was all clear, I mean, it was just those steps of going out, underwriting deals, you know, doing property tours, putting in offers, raising capital. Those are all skills you can learn. But if you don't think you can do it, then you're never going to be able to do it.
wow, do you know you're still a life coach? I mean, I know you're coaching real estate, but still you're using all those skills to really help people go deeply within to figure out what's important to them. Mm -hmm. And what I would say to that is the first thing everybody should do as you're listening to this, I really want you all to explore what your values are because we all have values that are endowed within us. And what, what we want in life is it adventure. Is it safety? Like Patty said, some people may just want a nine to five job. They just want to be told what to do. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But if you are not that person and you're living a cubicle life, you're going to be living a life that is incongruent with your values. For me, my values were family. So when I'm at the restaurant and I'm working on Easter and I'm working on Christmas Eve and I'm missing every weekend because I'm working at the restaurant early on, it's okay. But as my kids are getting older, it doesn't feel right. And that's mm -hmm. the whole thing. So figure out what your values are, write them down and start making every decision based upon those values. It's called values-based decision-making. And for Jake and I, we love real estate, specifically multifamily, because we have a long-term mindset. We've created a hundred-year real estate investor brand because it's about long-termism. And that's one of our values. Another one of our values is responsibility junkie. If I've got a podcast with Patty at 1 p.m., I'm going to come prepared. And these are values that I wasn't born with. I mean, in 2000, 2008, I was out there blaming everybody else about the economy, Obama's fault, the economy. But I read the book by T. Harv Eker called Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. And Harv Eker talks in that book about responsibility and the fruits are in your roots. And I said to myself, I really don't like this guy. And when I said that, I'm like, he's probably right because we don't like the truth. And it was a hard truth for me. And, and that's when I decided, okay, I made a couple of really bad investment decisions in real estate. They were my fault because I invested with people and I bought assets that I knew nothing about and I shouldn't have invested in those deals. It's about time that I take responsibility. And from there, that's my that's been my value for the last 15 years. It's been a nice journey for me because all of a sudden something happens that doesn't go right. I can take responsibility and say, how do I learn from it? It's not just a problem, but there's there's a problem here and looking at that problem, where's the opportunity in that problem? And is it easy? No, but without responsibility, there's no hope and there's no control. You have that, you, you lack that control and that ability to take control of your life. So for me, go out there, set up what your values are and start living your values based and creating those decisions based on those values. Oh, you're so wise. I had no idea we were going to have this deep of an interview. It's really fun. Yeah. But I, I think you. you're correct. I believe that if you don't take responsibility, you're likely to continue to make the same mistakes again and again. But if you look, really look, you can go, oh, I should have done it this way. I could have done it that way. And that will really help you to uh, be successful. And also, um, sometimes people aren't successful the first time they try something. So you've got to stick with it. Oh, I, I've got hundreds of examples of just, I don't want to use the word, but sucking in the beginning. I, we started our podcast years ago and there, some of the first few episodes were pretty dreadful. And, you know, some of those first camera interviews were, were pretty dreadful. And, and it, it's just a reality. And But you have to remember, we're all dreadful when we start something new. And mm -hmm. it's something where, where you have to realize you're, you're going to have to learn. You have to make those mistakes. And what did you learn from that bad interview? And you need to put the work in. And we just had an interview with a gentleman named Julius Thomas. He's, he's a pro bowl tight end, won the Super Bowl, Peyton Manning. And he talks about it. Mastery is commitment and it's about sacrifice and it's about discipline. We need to be disciplined to do the hard work, but we also know that we need to make that sacrifice to get better at what we want. And once again, if those values aren't in alignment with what we, with what we want, we're chasing something that doesn't align with our values. We're putting all that hard work in for something that we really don't want. When we do get it, then we realize, oh, man, I don't really feel complete. I don't feel fulfilled. It's because you probably weren't shooting for that. 
you're not really shooting for money in a job. You're shooting for what money does for you. You're not shooting for money, especially Mm -hmm. myself. You're shooting for the impact of what it does for you. I mean, I didn't create Jake and Gino to monetize the education. I created it ultimately to be a role model for my children, to have my children be part of the business and also to create impact for students. And the more impact that students close deals, the more that happens, the more impact that happens in my life. And getting those emails from students when they close deals, really, I mean, it invigorates you and it's addictive as well. You see, you help somebody out, you continue to do that. And, and having that go-giver mentality is another value of ours. Just find out what your values are and, and go towards those values. Wow. And that's a simple concept. Maybe not so uh, simple to carry out, but the concept, mm-hmm. just think of your values. So every decision, you can go back to that. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate. That's the only thing that I'm afraid of with the young people in this country is we're not being taught responsibility. And it really comes down to us. And there's that victim mentality. When you're a victim, we call it really a catabolic type of energy. Catabolic energy is negative. It's draining. You can sit there. You know, they always say birds of a feather flock together. Mm-hmm. You can see what's going on. And when you're with other people who are victims, there's not much solution gathering right now. You're seeing what's going on in the economy and the country and the media. There's all victim. There's all blaming. There's no solutions coming out of it. Everyone's negative. Everyone's fighting. And at some point you should be a victim. You know, if you have a friend who passes away or if you lose a job, it's okay to be a victim in that moment to grieve. But after that, we need to move from that catabolic level of energy to what we call an anabolic level, which is, you know, highly uplifting. It's energizing. You go from that flight to fight all of a sudden to something where you can see the possibilities. And and how do you do this? You do this by surrounding yourself with a peer group that's going to hold you accountable, that raises your level, that raises your state, your raises your energy. And I mean, one of the reasons why we created the Jake and Gino community is because there are students out there who lack that. They go to work, they have the same conversations around the same, you know, cooler water cooler there and they talk about the same crap no one's talking about personal development no one's talking about responsibility no one's talking about investing in assets what they're talking about is what's going on with the company with the politics and all that so be really be mindful of who you're surrounding yourself with and who you want to look up towards as a role model and once you can understand your level of energy throughout the day because if you're feeling like a victim are you going to get on a podcast are you going to show up or are you going to make excuses are you going to call that broker up and say yes let's put the offer in. Are you going to say, you know what? This is not the time of the market. Everything's overpriced. Yeah, the market's been overpriced for the last four years. We've heard that. There are people who have been blaming and victims for the last four years. And there have been people who have been putting in LOIs and closing deals in the last four years. What camp do you want to reside in? You can make that decision if you understand where your level of energy resides and how you show up throughout the day. (laughs) This is such a fun interview. I'm really enjoying it. We chatted a little bit before the show. And I know your family is very important to you and you have a wife and children. How are you instilling the importance of uh, values for your kids? And how are they getting that uh, idea of responsibility? So for us, I, I was really fortunate. My wife decided to stay home with the children when we got married. So we have six kids, ages 23 to seven. We homeschool the kids. And that's been a challenge. Talk about sacrifice. It's probably the best thing that we've ever done. I could probably list top three things that I've done in my life. One of them is homeschooling the kids, but it comes with a lot of sacrifice. My wife has to sacrifice her day. She's home with the kids all day. Sometimes she just wants to commit suicide because they drive (laughs) her nuts 
And that's the reality. <laughs> but there are other times when it's it's just part of the family. And for us, it's just living the day and, and leading by example. I mean, I just got into an argument today with the kids about them leaving the cream cheese out on the table and having the jelly open. And it's just like, I mean, it's not perfect. It's okay. But I'll have to go home tonight and understand that I need to, you know, uh, I need to say sorry to them. And it's it's part it's part of journey as a parent, you're going to learn, you're going to make mistakes, be honest, be vulnerable with your children. And they take cues, they see what you do, and they see how you act. And I've just been really lucky because my oldest daughter, she's 23 years old now. So she's a missionary. So she decided to go work up in Tiger, Georgia as a missionary. My 20 year old is a junior in college, and he's spent the whole summer working at the camp with her. And I think they've taken cues from us. They're finding their vocation. The old Gino would have said, Nope, you've got to go out, you got to get a job, you need to make X amount of money. The new Gino says, what is your passion? What do you want to do? How are you going to create impact? And how are you going to live a purposeful life? As a parent, we need to guide our children as they're younger, but we need to actually have them make mistakes and make decisions on their own. So when they do become adults, they can finally say, yep, I'm leaving and I can make my decisions. And the great thing about it is the kids are going to come back. They love being at the house and having that nurturing loving environment is really important. And I think as a father, for all you dads out there, if you want your daughters to marry an idiot, a jerk, a moron, then you act that way because the way you act is what they're going to be attracted to. So if you want to be a strong, loving, caring father, that's what they're going to be attracted to. That's who they're going to marry. And that's the reality of it. So be mindful of how you speak to your daughters. Be mindful how you speak to your sons because that will come back on you. So make sure that you treat them with respect and with love. And I, I had an argument with one of my daughters about two years ago and I was yelling at her and like screaming at her. And my wife pulls me to the side and says, would you ever speak to an employee that way? And I said, no, I wouldn't. And she says, so why are you speaking to your daughter that way? And I, I stopped and I was like, wow, you're right. I, sometimes we have to have our significant other tell us that we're wrong. And we have to have the humility to understand that we all make mistakes and that it's a learning process. We don't have a manual. There's no way to... You know, when a child is born, what do you do? You just try to mirror and you try to find successful parents who are doing it and try to follow what they've what they what they're doing. Right. So I know your oldest is a missionary, so she must have a, a very big heart. And you mentioned earlier that being an entrepreneur, real estate entrepreneur, investor is in your DNA. Do you feel like any of your kids picked that up? That's a great question. I think the older one, what I love all children out there and parents to teach their children is really to be in the service of others. I think if you can serve others, you know, whether it's when you're at home, setting the table, cooking the meal, throwing out the garbage, you're serving part of the family. And it's not just about me, 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 that me, me, me gets you into trouble. Because when you go work in, in, in an organization, it's not about you, you, it's about the organization. And as a leader, you have to understand how to serve others to be able to ultimately lead them. So I'm really thrilled at, at, at seeing her growth and seeing her vocation and her understanding money because she was very, it was, it was difficult because she's invested in a couple of our deals. And she said to me, dad, you know, you invest in real estate and I see the model. You're going in there, you're raising rents on people. Can they afford it? And I'm saying that that's a tough question, Gabriella, because the way these apartments are in the next few years, if we don't fix these apartments, they're going to become obsolete. They're going to have to tear them down and or someone else is going to come and implement the model as well. So there's a form of, you know, working as an entrepreneur, trying to fix these apartments up, trying to raise the rent and trying to deliver tremendous value. And at the same time, some of these people may get displaced. And now there's other services out there, Gabrielle, I would say to her, like Section 8, like HUD housing, if they can't afford to go into a market rent. So 
having these conversations with your children can be difficult, but I want them to invest in my deals. I want them to start to grow and I want them really to serve others and, and work at tough jobs. My son was a bus boy last summer. He hated it. It was hard. I'm like, good. You're not doing that. He comes up to me and goes, I'm not doing that again, dad. Good. So that, that's off the list. So that means you've got to go to college and get a job. And I think as far as the other ones, they are more entrepreneurial now because years and years ago, my mindset was more limiting. We don't have enough money. We can't afford mm -hmm. it. Whereas now the young kids are like, $2 million house, we should buy that house. That never would have come out of my kids' in my right. even thought process. Now right. it's like, okay, now how do we afford that? Instead of saying we can't afford that, the little one's like, I like that house, dad. We should buy that house. But I've been thinking about how do we get the resources to buy the house? The conversation is different. When you look at it from that perspective and you want to buy that, how do we make that happen? Completely different conversation than I can't afford it. If you say you can't afford it, your mind completely shuts down and sees no solutions on trying to buy or trying to afford something like that. Oh, isn't that the truth? And so you really have to watch what you say. Uh, every single day. And it's very difficult. And that's why when I'm on podcasts and I'm on shows, I, I try not to curse. And <laughs> that's a difficult thing to do. Mm -hmm. uh, you try to be the role model for the family. And for me, it's it can be challenging. Because like I said, there are six of them in the house. To spend enough time we eat with each of them to give them the proper attention can be challenging. And one of the harder things is they all have different gifts and, and trying right. to, trying to, trying to say one's better than the other. And, you know, dad, do you love me more and all that? It can be, it can be challenging at times, but you know, we do our best as parents. Yeah. And I meant more watch your limiting beliefs statements that might come out. It yeah. seems like kids usually have a very positive attitude until it's kind of been I don't want to say beaten out of them, but you know, they've uh, had people put them down or they've said, oh, you can't do that, do this. And uh, so I think it's really important that they uh, stay in that positive mind space and they probably get a lot of that from you. I, I, that's a hundred percent, Patty. I agree with that. And I can give you a quick story about that. It's, you know, working with my mom in 2008, when the recession comes along, her mindset was, Gino, we need to stay small. We, we, we can't take too many risks. We had one restaurant and I started investing in real estate and I told her, and she's like, we, you can't do that. You've got five mouths to feed at the time. You're taking a lot of risk. So I decided not to tell her anymore. I decided just to keep her out of the conversation and she would see me working all the time. And she would say to me, you know, Gino, life is not all about work. I mean, you mm -hmm. have to relax. And what she was trying to do, she was trying to protect me, but sure. I wanted to get away from that mindset and that talk of real estate's risky. You're working right. too hard. And mm -hmm. I didn't tell her until we had around 200 units. And I said oh to her, mom, gosh. I'm leaving. It's very, I mean, I would work with her six days. I mean, basically every day right. at, the, at the restaurant with her and to hide that from her was challenging, but I knew that I had to do that until I hit a certain unit level. I'm saying, mom, I'm going to be leaving in the next, you know, six to 12 months. And she was shocked. And I mean, she was floored by it, but be careful the words you utter. I mean, those, 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 those disempowering words, there's risk, there's risk in everything. I had that one restaurant there. What more risk than that? After COVID, I was in New York, everything got shut down for a year. Would I still be there? So in, risk is really how, how you look at it. For me, that one single restaurant, that one place in a geographic location was a lot of risk. And to her, that's all she knew. That was her paradigm. That was the map that she looked, you know, the lens that she was looking at life. And for me, I knew that wasn't the lens that I wanted to look to. So I just waited until I was comfortable enough to tell her that I had certain success. And then I let her know.
That's very wise of you. Surprise, mom. She must be very proud, though. I'm very happy. <laughs> she is. She still doesn't understand what I do. She still doesn't get the multifamily mm-hmm. thing. But um, yeah, she is. She's awesome. I love my mom. So speaking of risks, and we'll kind of get to the nitty gritty for a little bit, is multifamily um, investing extremely risky? Or if you know what you're doing, do you minimize those risks? I think any kind of investing is risky, especially Mm -hmm. when people don't look at it from a lens of holding or buying for the longer term. I mean, you can look at it with stocks. I mean, people look at stocks and the problem with stocks is they're so transactional that you know you're so afraid that people buy high and sell low that that's the risk i see in stocks when they see a little bit of a gain they take that gain but when they see a loss they're saying to themselves oh i could recoup that loss and let that loss run and multifamily what i like about it it's a basic human need it's food clothing and apartments we need a place to live and and couple that with the lack of affordable housing Couple that with the demographic shift of people that want to rent apartments right now. It's easier to rent an apartment. People who are older, they're downsizing and renting apartments. The millennials are starting families at a at a later date, so they're continuing to rent as well. The the ability of this, you know, I would say the transactional nature of employees, they they can move anywhere they want. So being able to rent is so much easier. And I think the shorter term mindset, it's so much easier to rent an apartment for a year or two than to end up buying a house and, and living in that house. Longer term, you're going to do much better renting, buying a home. But shorter term, it's a lot easier. So I, I think the the dynamics and the demographics of renting are here for the long term. And I love it as an asset class because there's so many benefits to it. You have the tax benefits. First and foremost, for anyone who's making a high income, they can shield it. You have the ability to force that net operating income on these assets because you can really focus on the income or cut those expenses. You have the principal pay down where you're having your residents pay down the principal. You have that inflation hedge where basically that inflation is, rents were up 9% this year. They were up 20% last year. So as inflation occurs, your rents are continuing to go through inflation. And I think one of the things I said with that basic human need, we call it cycle resiliency. I think through that 08 crash, a lot of multifamily, you know, rents did go down a little bit, but most of it stabilized. And there was very little foreclosure activity in multifamily because it's a stable asset. And I think going long-term, are there going to be operators who are overpaying now? Absolutely. But I think if they can stabilize their operations and hold for the long term and buy in a market that's continuing to grow, there's a lot of ways to mitigate your risk. You just have to understand uh, this, you know, the strategy that you need to implement in the market cycle that we're, that's occurring right now to help mitigate that risk. You know so much about this. Um, I'm just like kind of uh, floored by all your knowledge. How would uh, people invest in a multifamily um, unit, if they wanted to go through you, would they just contact you and you would tell them about the different opportunities or do you contact them when a great opportunity comes about? For us, we don't syndicate. So syndication is the model that you're talking about where you're raising capital. We, we've syndicated three deals. It's not our forte. We don't want investors. And, and Jake and I realize that the vast majority of our portfolio is owned by me, Jake, and a partner, Mike. We have employees investing in our deals right now. Uh, what I would say is going out there and looking for sponsors. It, 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 it's really funny. That's such a tough question to answer because I think people out there, when they're starting to invest, mm-hmm. I think they really have to, they have to figure out what their goals are, what, what their aspirations are. Are you looking to invest passively? Well, mm-hmm. if you're investing passively, then go out there and find someone who's syndicating a deal. You know, Go sure. out there and look, at, look for a sponsor. If you're looking to do it yourself, 
I mean, go on websites like Bigger Pockets, start listening to educational shows like the podcasts and YouTube channels. Then when you're serious, go out there and find a mentor like I did. Find somebody who's teaching it, who's doing it right now, and learn that if you're actually going to be doing deals by yourself or you're going to be partnering with other people. There's so many different ways to get into this space. I started out with a four unit. Me and my brother bought a four unit years and years and years ago. If you're younger and you don't have the money, house hack. If you, you know, if you're younger, you're you're a veteran, use the VA loan, use an FHA loan if you're gonna buy your first home. Get into the business, start buying an asset. And then from there, figure out what you want to accomplish through multifamily or any of these investment vehicles. Mm -hmm. Do you want to get into it full time? Well, you're gonna need to dedicate more time and resources. Do you want to just start continuing to grow your wealth and, and do it part-time? Great. Go out there and find partnerships or sponsors who have deals and you can invest in those deals. I think that's probably the best path, best path that you can take. Oh, thank you for clarifying the difference between a syndicator and what you're doing. Where do you purchase most of the properties that you have? Is there a certain geographic area? Mm -hmm. What we are, we're a vertically integrated company, which basically means we do all the processes ourselves. We property, we buy the properties. We are, we have our own in-house property management. We get the financing done through our, our, our affiliates. So we do everything in-house and within that we're in Knoxville, Tennessee. So we're within a three hour radius of Knoxville where we can really control the entire processes. So Chattanooga, Nashville, Asheville, we have a deal in Lexington within a three hour radius. That's where we like to focus on. And I think it's an amazing, we got Got fortunate because Jake in 2011, he understood that in, in 2011, he couldn't afford to live in New York. It was just too expensive. So I got lucky. He moved to Knoxville, Tennessee in 2011, and we started buying assets down there. And Knoxville was the fourth city to get out of the recession in 2008. Didn't know that until we moved there. And we just started buying assets and the Southeast has become just a plethora. I mean, everyone is moving to the Southeast. So it's an, it's an amazing area, whether you're in Florida, Carolinas, Georgia, Alabama, it's a great area to continue and really to start building a portfolio. And why do you think that area is becoming so popular? Couple of reasons. Number one, as you get older, you hate cold weather. So <sighs> you have a lot of people moving down to the Southeast, specifically Florida, because it's just a lot warmer. And I can speak from my experiences and my experiences alone. Living in New York, taxes were high. I had high state income tax, high property taxes. The cost of living was high. In a lot of these Southern states, although the cost of living is, has increased, it's a lot cheaper than up in the Northeast. And that makes a big difference to people. And I just think there's just been a shift in politics. So certain people want to live in certain states. And I think the Southeast, it just resonates with, with, a, with a lot of people. I think down, down in the Southeast, I have to say the people in the Southeast are much nicer than New Yorkers. I can say that because I'm a former New Yorker. So it's just, it's <laughs> yeah, just you're pleasant. <laughs> it's pleasant living down. The people are great. The pace of life is great. The quality of your life is so much better down here. I mean, it's 90 degrees in, in, in October, whereas in New York, you're in the 40s. So I just think it's just an amazing place to live. And I think the education and the workforce has gotten so much more educated down here so that the quality of jobs have expanded. You have hedge funds moving in Miami. Uh, you, you have just so, so many different tech centers going all over the Southeast, whether you're in Austin, Texas or Raleigh, North Carolina, they're all popping up because that workforce is so much more educated than it was 10 or 15 years ago. Wow. Interesting. You know, I moved to Florida last year, so I guess I'm one of those people. Ah, from where? <laughs> well, I was in Santa Barbara, California. Oh. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. We're so, in Florida. It's uh, in between Fort Myers and Naples. Oh. And it's kind of the Estero area. Yes. Yeah. And, and if you go back 10 or 15 years ago, I would venture to say 
I never heard of anybody moving to Tennessee from California. Never would have heard that. We have people daily that Jake runs into in Knoxville that they move from California. That never happened because no one was leaving California to go to Tennessee or even Florida. They may go to Texas, maybe Phoenix, maybe Idaho, but it's just amazing the shift that's going on and the demand. There's not enough supply in the state right now. There's an imbalance. They're trying to build housing here, and that's what's fueling the economy here. We weren't even shut down during COVID, which is great, but that's what's going on. Those migratory patterns and the, the, the population shift is really driving housing, specifically multifamily. You live in a beautiful area. It's awesome down there. Oh, well, I think your area must be quite beautiful too. I want to take a trip and check it out sometime. Oh, it's awesome. You'd love yeah, it. Yeah. Well, I can't let you go with learning more about your program that you're offering to help other people. And I think it's great that you're doing that and trying to help people be as successful as you are, at least try to attain that. Mm -hmm. Just go to jakeandgino.com. You'll see all the different various books we have. We have the various podcasts on, on the website just to learn more. I just, just go on the site and there's so many different resources out there. If you're starting, best thing to do is just go to the YouTube channel, Jake and Gino, and start consuming the how-to content. Well, I'm going to go because you're really fun to watch. You know, some people can be a little bit dry, but you just have such a personality and especially the depth that you go into about really getting uh, clear on your values so you know where it's going to take you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you for being on Icons of Real Estate. Oh, I know you don't like the word icon or you don't feel it fits, but I think it does. Thank you. Thank you. 